0: welcome back to the keystone kickoff show brought to you by new trail brewing company new trail beers are brewed right here in central pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week when you're in happy valley be sure to find new trail at wr hickey and
1: other craft beer retailers hello and welcome to the keystone kickoff show i'm jim galanti along with Dustin Dustin, we were just chatting before we got started. We're back on a little bit more of a normal schedule this week after our week away at Auburn. So y'all ready and back into your routine. Yeah,
2: I think this is what uh, getting older does, right? Like you need more and more time to recover from stuff that used to be just be routine. But yeah, I'm, I'm there. I, I, th- I think I've
1: finally gotten there. And just a quick note for you, Dustin. It doesn't get better. As you get even older, okay? Just just that reminder. One other reminder for you. Our buddies at New Trail Brewery, they bring out new beers all the time. I've been talking about the whiteout beer, which is still available. Especially if you go into the game, you want that whiteout for your tailgate. But every week, they'll introduce something new. They have different kinds of beers that they will come out with, including lagers and they just recently came out with something they call a crisp lager. It's a nice, refreshing, crisp beer, which I think is how they gave it its name, Dustin. I'm, I'm no genius on naming, but I think that's how it happened. Tell you what, it's a nice combination for your tailgate. Have some of the whiteout, have some of the crisp lager. And if you're going to be in State College, just make the stop over at Hickey and pick up both whiteout and your crisp lager. Okay Dustin, let's get into this game. Over the weekend, it was the Central Michigan Chippewas. It was a 33-14 game. If you take a look at the score and the stats, everything looks okay. But boy, during the game, it just didn't feel okay.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment of it. And, you know, I think as the game's going on, you can kind of. And, and it didn't help that Penn State sprinted out to 14 nothing in this game, set the expectation early, reinforced the expectation, I suppose, that this was going to be a boat race and, and, uh, Central Michigan, the starters would be gone in the second quarter, whatever. And then they just went through that lull. And I think, um, you know, emotional hangover was certainly in play after Auburn, you know, that week one trip to Purdue. I mean, everybody knew that those first three weeks would help define this season. And not that anybody's viewing Central Michigan as a pushover, but you, you just kind of can't be up for everything. And I think that law set in a little bit. Um, they tighten the screws in the second half. But at that point, I mean, it's, you know, it's 14-14. It's a ball game. Uh, But I think it's almost kind of encouraging that Penn State had maybe their C game and were able to slam the door on these guys. You saw a couple other top five teams uh, not blow out teams that they should have blown out, too. So I think it's just kind of one of those weeks in college football where, you know, you just have to grind one out. And this was Penn State, I think, grinding one out
1: that's the more positive spin on it and you make a good point even Georgia if you saw them play a few weeks back against Oregon you just said I'm not sure anybody's going to be competitive with them well you know when you look at their schedule is there anyone who said aha Kent State that might be the team that will challenge them a bit but that's exactly what happened right and and if you're Miami. I'm sure you didn't look at Middle Tennessee State as the team that was going to get you.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, I would throw Michigan Maryland in there too. You know, Maryland has the capability of kind of playing up sometimes and I think Penn State was guilty of maybe playing down to its competition for for a bit. And you do have to and I think the the other positive spin I would say is that so many times it takes a loss to really be able to reassess and be critical and, and, and learn the lessons you need to learn. This almost is like a substitute for a loss where, you know, I think James Franklin and that coaching staff probably relished the opportunity to get them in the, in the film room and say, this is what we're telling you. You're not as good as you think you are. You know, there are some serious things to fix and we got scared for a while by the Central Michigan team. We've got Michigan, Ohio State, et cetera, coming up. You know, these are things that we have to fix and we have to fix them now. Maybe it reinstates a sense of urgency and your team without needing a, a loss in this one. But Um, I can, I can understand fan frustration a little bit, but I do look at this second half and say, you know what, that when, when it came down to it, they, they adjusted, they got their legs under them and they just took care of business. Everybody in the stadium would have liked for it to be more of a lopsided win, but you also have to give central Michigan a little bit of credit in this one. Um, Jim McIlwain's a good coach. They, they have a defined offensive system and it works. Uh, they won nine games last season. They could run it when they need to. Their quarterback is, is a gutsy little kid. I mean, I don't think Central Michigan is as big a pushover as their record would indicate at this point.
1: Well, let's take a look at some of the specifics from the Penn State side. And let, let's start with Sean Clifford. As he goes, that's how the team went. He started out hot. What was he? Six for six. They got a turnover in a short field. They're up quickly, 14-0. And then he had his law. and I suspect his law is what brought on the Penn State law. And we saw the same things that we've seen over the last couple of years. The critics of Sean Clifford missing open—he didn't see open receivers, and then there were times when he had the open receivers and he just plain missed them. And,
2: and I think um, it happened— against Ohio also on a, on a little bit smaller scale, Penn state's offense went into a law because Clifford went into a law. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, that is one of the bigger criticisms of Sean Clifford during his, you know, 15 year tenure as Penn state starting quarterback is that he is prone to these stretches uh, where, where things just seem off. And I, you know, I think most quarterbacks over the course of a 60 minute game, uh, however many drives that ends up being, they're not all winners and quarterbacks are going to miss throw. You know, I'm watching the uh, the bills play uh, yesterday and you just expect Josh Allen to be a machine every single drive. He just wasn't quite himself. He underthrew uh, on a key fourth down late. I mean, I, I think every quarterback goes through uh, a stretch where whether it's their footwork or whether it's what they're seeing. I mean, it just, it just doesn't all come together, but this was, um, you know, once again, 14, nothing. I think he's eight for eight at one point. Also, Uh, You you just see these guys rolling and you expect it to continue and then really slam the brakes on both sides of the ball. Um, But especially on offense where you would like to see Clifford be able to uh, avoid these situations and you would like to be able to see the Penn State offense soldier on um, through these situations. But uh, maybe there's something on film or whatever that they can get back to and and attack and, and be ready for some of these better
1: teams. And James Franklin talked about Central Michigan playing a cover zero, which meant uh, no safeties, everybody up. Penn State should have been able to burn them deep, and they didn't. My bigger concern with Clifford and watching the games is, yes, he misses some passes, and every quarterback does, as you said. My greater concern, I think, is when you're at the game, you see it more. Those wide-open receivers, he's looking right. And there's the running back out in the flat on the left, just waving his arms with nobody on that side of the field. And this happens, I believe, more often than it should with Sean Clifford. I, I
2: would agree with, I mean, somebody who's played that much football, you can't really expect him to change his stripes at this point in time. You just hope he's the best version of himself. And I, I think, you know, the revelation in this game um, and and, you know, it's a little bit, I think annoying to hear James Franklin say, Hey, they did this more than we, we, what we expected. So it took us forever to adjust to it. But I think the Penn state offense as a whole, like this was a, a, a learning point because who's to say that all teams won't condense the lot li- to the line of scrimmage. And, and, you know, Penn state, the, the one thing that's been missing, I think is really being able to stretch vertically. How many times has Penn State really made a connection deep down the field? I think they've taken some shots, probably not as many as they should, but the formula of getting it to guys in space and letting them do their thing after the catch, that's great. But I think you need to scare teams deep. You know, Central Michigan probably showed something on film that Northwestern and Michigan will try to emulate, and that's. Keep, keep it short and let's let's dare them to test this deep because they haven't been able to do that yet. I would imagine that's part of it. I think for specifically for Central Michigan, who had been giving up a lot of big plays through the air, it's a little disappointing that there weren't more shots and there weren't more connections down the
1: field. Let's take a look at some of the positives on the offensive side of the ball, Dustin. Uh, we all have been enamored with Nick Singleton the last couple of weeks. I believe if you've been paying attention, Catron Allen has also been very impressive. But this was the game; he kind of he took the lead role for this game, and Nick Singleton seemed to suffer a little bit from the uh, twenty and twenty-one running back itis, where you're caught behind the line of scrimmage, you're not able to bounce it outside, you lose yardage, or you gain one yard. Meanwhile. Catron Allen showed quite a bit.
2: I, I really love Katron Allen, his his ability to just slip through creases and be able to cut back when there's, you know, I, I think his patience and his vision are much further along than Nick Singleton. Singleton, obviously with that burst and acceleration and speed, I think he's going to um, run through arm tackles. He's got maybe a higher ceiling than Katron Allen does without a doubt, but right now, I mean, Catron Allen is a little further along when it comes to being able to run between the tackles. And I think it's a good thing that Penn State has this course of action that says, okay, if they're ready, if they're keying on Nick Singleton bouncing outside – If he's bouncing outside too often on plays that shouldn't be bouncing outside, if he's not effective running through the tackles, uh, Kate, we have a a kid who's ready, able and willing to do that. And what a performance by him, you know, 13 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown on a day where Nick Singleton couldn't get much going. It's a good thing for Penn state's offense that you have this inside outside combination. Now, you know what? I mean, it's on film that you've got to be ready for just about anything. And, you know, with the way Katron Allen runs, even if you stack the box, he just kind of seems to find a way to sneak through and make positive yardage. I think I saw a note from Penn State that he hasn't had a negative run um, all season. I could be wrong about that, but he's always going forward. He's one of those guys. He's like, just like Noah Cain. They, they praised him so much. I think uh K-Tron Allen is a better version of that. And
1: staying on the offense one quick uh, moment further, Brenton Strange had another big game. And Dustin, I think if you talk to us prior to the season, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren were the guys you and I were both pushing. Maybe we were wrong. Maybe Brenton Strange is the guy. Guilty as charged on this one. Um, and, and, you know,
2: four games in, Theo Johnson really hasn't gotten his legs under him. He will make some impact plays, I think. But Brent Strange is better than I gave him credit for over the past two years, for sure. Certainly this offseason. Really good two-way guy. And you've seen him make an impact in the passing game. And really, I think, establish a level of trust with Sean Clifford that if a big catch needs to be made in a short field, brenton strange is the guy to do it two more touchdowns in this one he's an off off to an unbelievable start and i think he's on his way jim to playing on sundays
1: and i'll tell you what he likes to hurdle defenders which is always a fun play dustin that is it for quarter number one Uh, we still have more to go stick with us for quarter number two For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right
0: here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T E K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and
1: other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith and Dustin. Another home game coming up this week. That means gotta talk tailgating, and the best place to tailgate in Happy Valley? Go psurv.com. This is where you could drive your car to Happy Valley, and Mark and his crew will have an RV all set up and waiting for you. Keystone Sports is teaming up with GoPSURV.com this year to offer a really special deal. You could reserve the KSN special, which means that you get $500 off your RV for the weekend. And you, I'll tell you what, get a hold of Mark for this week for the Northwestern game, and you can get that $500 off for the weekend. Just call Mark at 800-519-8467. Make sure you tell them you want the KSN RV special. Dustin, we were talking about the Penn State-Central Michigan game in quarter number one. We were pretty much set on the offense. Let's talk about the defense. And it's funny. We watched the uh, the Chippewas come back with two touchdowns in the second quarter to tie up the game. And it, it gives away that feeling, oh, the defense struggled. But at the end of the day, that's where it ended, 14 points. There were The defense had three turnovers. The uh, special teams got another one. So it's still a ball-hawking team that forces turnovers. Definitely there were some issues on the offense. What about the defense? What did you take away overall?
2: Yeah, I, th- I thought they went through this stretch where um, Central Michigan was finding more success more consistently than I thought that they would or should. Um, but again, just like I said last quarter, I think Central Michigan deserves a little bit of credit for being able to string together those plays. They've got an, a, a pretty good instinctive quarterback. They, they've they got a threat on the ground. But it is a little jarring still to to see them bend and break as much as they did over the course of that, I don't know, what was it, maybe 15 to... 17 minutes of game time after that hot start. Um, But, you know, I think four takeaways, you know, you look at the last two games, Auburn and Central Michigan, uh, where it's a combined, what, 74 to 26 margin. It's lopsided, a couple, you know, three touchdown wins. But uh, the the stats kind of tell the story where, yeah, the other offense had success. And, you know, I think, Uh, teams have found success through the air just by volume alone. So I do feel like, um, if you've got a capable offense and you've got a a well-designed scheme and you've got a quarterback who can execute in your scheme and you're, you're going to drop back and throw it 60 times in a game. I do feel like there are stretches where, um, you're going to have some success and that's happened in this game. Um, but the four takeaways I think are encouraging. It's two, two weeks in a row with four takeaways. I think that's part of the formula. Um, I don't know if it's something you can rely on every week, obviously, against against teams that are gonna button up a little bit more. But I think this this secondary showed up, you know, uh Kalen King, I saw he was the highest rated defender in the country, according to Pro Football Focus in this game. Uh four passes broken up. Uh he had had a strip uh, in this game. He uh, you know, recovered that that strip, just a heads-up play. I mean, I thought this was probably his best game. And you've seen Johnny Dixon play his best game. You've seen uh, Joey Porter Jr., you know, 13 passes broken up in this game. Teams are trying this this defense through the air. And uh, I guess on the broadcast, I said nobody in, in America has more passes broken up than this secondary. So I think, you know, as much as they've been tested, Again and again and again, I think that the, the secondary has come through, and you saw in this one that the, I think the, the pass rush started to get
1: home too. Dustin, I'm not sure I have heard in my entire life the pass breakup statistic more than I have in the first four weeks of this season alone. It leads you to wonder, why is it? Is it because they're just so good, the defenders? Is it, like you said, because offenses are testing them by throwing the ball? You know, we had that, obviously, with Purdue. They were going to put the ball up there. What is it that accounts for? Because they're not just leading the country. They're leading the country by a lot. I think it's um, it's just a, the, one of the
2: factors is you look at Aiden O'Connell, uh, Curtis Rourke from Ohio and now uh, I, I don't know if I'd put the Auburn quarterbacks in that category uh, and this kid from Central Michigan to uh, Daniel Richardson they uh, they throw accurate passes and when you're uh, throwing accurate passes uh, you're making the, d- the defense make plays on it and not only are, are they accurate quarterbacks they are committed to throwing it as often as they have you know Penn State's pass defense in terms of yardage on paper isn't great but I mean, they've been throwing it again and again. I would love to look through and see how, where Penn State ranks in terms of passes attempted against them because that's a pretty high number. And uh, when you have that high number and that and the quarterbacks who, who deliver the ball accurately, you're going to be forced to play coverage. And I think ultimately it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good number and showing your defensive backs are holding up against an onslaught from accurate quarterbacks. That's my takeaway from it.
1: And you brought up a good point about accuracy that, it's pass breakups typically happen when the the pass is thrown well. When a receiver is about ready to catch a ball, that's when the pass breakup happens, which means two things. It's close coverage and they're winning that battle. Um, a couple other things to take away from this game. I know it was late in the game, but Deny Dennis Sutton had, what a series he had where he made three big plays, including two sacks in, in one possession.
2: There have been a couple times this year where the Dennis Sutton uh, rushes like the water boy. Like you could, you could just see him go like, <laughs> and it's just, it's just like with reckless abandon. And, um, he's coming along, you know, and I think it's a good situation for Penn state that he's able to get in four games. He's able to do some meaningful things. He's able to showcase what he can do with his, his pass rush skills and his moves. Um, But he, he hasn't been leaned on to have to deliver in those situations. And, you know, he's getting so many valuable reps and he's so talented and he's so mature. He works so hard. I mean, the breakthrough is coming. and I feel like late in this game was part of it. It was garbage time, of course, but, um, but I think he is a really good young player. Who's going to become, I think, a great player? And these reps are so important. You know, I, again, I think back to Utor's Gross Matos, and you know, he played as a true freshman. Also, didn't make a lot of splash plays because it's hard to do that when the game's still moving fast for you. I think you're seeing the game start to slow down more and more for Denai Dennis Sutton. And these are the types of things you can expect. He's a really, really good pass rusher who's got a good head on his shoulders, and it's a great combination for him that uh, I think will lead him of some really good things sooner than later.
1: This is cherry-picking statistics, but remember a couple seasons ago, Owe had no sacks the entire season and still ended up a top draft pick. Sutton had two sacks, I think, in three plays. So I know that's cherry-picking statistics, but it's still, to me, a a fascinating one. The, The other player that stuck out to me is this... James Franklin will use the expression, and I love it, the ball finds a player, okay? We heard that about uh, Kalen King. We've now been hearing it about uh, Zaki Wheatley. Uh, He's been the turnover king in the spring, the turnover king in the fall. Dustin, it does not seem to be coincidence. (laughs) He does find the ball, and in that interception, it looks like he's next in that tradition of, uh safeties from brisker to brown to wheatley who they're doing what safeties are supposed to do cover lots of ground they just pop up out of nowhere you don't see them on the tv screen and the quarterback doesn't see them either and next thing you know they're picking off a ball
2: and, and i do think you know the, the phrase the ball seems to find him he's a magnet for the ball to me like kind of says, Hey, there's, there's some luck in it when there's no luck in it at all. Well, I mean, there's maybe some luck, but I think just being able to read and react and just have an innate feel for where that ball is going to go, especially when you are a safety and that's your job is, is to kind of read what's going on in front of you. You can see a lot of the field. Uh, you can watch the quarterback's eyes. I mean, when, when you have that instinct to be able to just kind of drift to where the ball is. You know, there's a there's a a really slight margin uh, between making a play on a ball and and missing it. And Zaki Wheatley, I think, is just showing that he breaks on balls and he he has a feel for where the ball is going to go and what they're trying to do. When he starts to understand and process the game better from the back end, you know, he's going to add more tools to his tool uh, set. Than just being able to kind of read and react. I mean, I think he's got he's willing and able to be physical. I think he's going to be a more complete safety than we've seen. But I think you know some of the things are just experience back there and being able to communicate and, and identify and and uh, react quickly. You know, he's going to be a really good safety. And I think unlike let's say Marcus Allen and and even to a lesser extent um, uh, Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, I think that takeaway ability, the ability to make plays on balls in the air is a really real skill that he's got. And when you couple that that with the instincts that he has, I mean, that is a really good formula to continue to never lose his throne as the turnover king.
1: And Dustin, the other nice thing we've seen players make plays like this, but then not make the catch, not make the interception. Both his interceptions were not gimmies. Um, one last thought on this game, Dustin, I want to mention special teams. It's almost overlooked the more the punter's been fantastic. He, he's been great. The place kickers, not so much.
2: Yeah, I think um, I, I, was, I, I saw Ben Jones from statecollege.com articulating um, what I was thinking too and basically saying that Penn State has likely too many tight games coming up for place kicking to be a coin flip. And right now, it really very much feels like place kicking is a coin flip Uh, for Jake Pinniger. You know, he has that big 48 yarder two weeks ago. He misses. What was it? A 38 yarder in this one. It's got to come along. It's got to be better than I think James Franklin was as forceful as you'll see him be when it comes to saying that they've got to get a lot better in that department. I don't know where they go from here. Um, I think you you know, you know put your trust in Jake Pinnaker to this point. He's done quite a bit of kicking for you. Never really earned your full trust, by the way, over the course of a season. Uh, but y- you just hope that your veteran guy pulls through and uh, is able to make more kicks more often. That 38-yarder has just got to be a gimme going forward because when you're playing Michigan and you've got – a 38-yard shot, you need those three points. That's not a luxury. That's a necessity, and they've got to get there where they make that, not a coin flip, but a slam dunk.
1: Exactly, and the hope was that by this time, Pinniger, the veteran, he was out last year. He'd be back. Veteran guy. Maybe he's not going to make the 48-yarder, but anything from 40 and in, you want that to be almost automatic, Dusty. That is it for quarter number two. Stick around. We're going to give the team a progress report in our next two quarters. So stick around.
3: New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trails Hoppy Pack is an absolute pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone.
1: StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Poorman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College.
0: We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. This is quarter number three of our show. Dustin, we spent the first two quarters talking about the Central Michigan game. I thought for the rest of the show, we're at the one-third point of the season. Four games in. It's incredible. It's gone so fast. Might be a good time to take a step back and assess where the team is at this point. And also look forward to say, well, what's our assessment now? Has it changed based on these first four games? Let's, let's look at a couple different groups. Uh, first of all, let's start with quarterback, where we always start. It's how we started our assessment of the Central Michigan game. It's how we start, it seems like, the assessment of every game. And here is Sean Clifford. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to repeat myself, something I do often. And I keep saying this before I waver back and forth between Sean Clifford. After this many years, we know what we're getting and it's six years. It's Sean Clifford. I have no idea what we're going to get from game to game.
2: And I think that's what you know you're getting so that you can take comfort in that. You you know, you're getting something that you're not sure you're getting. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, I mean, so, and so whether and when the... I
1: know what I'm getting or not knowing what I'm getting. I'm right both ways.
2: A hundred percent. And, you know, when, when the dust settles and, and we're here and, by, you know, it's the end of the non-conference season too. I know they started with a, a conference game, but uh, another good reason to reassess as they go into full, the heart of conference play coming up. Uh, as the dust settles, I mean, Sean Clifford's stat line looks exactly like all his other stat lines do in the early going here. Now, eight touchdown passes to one interception uh, is, is I think pivotal. You know, I think if, if he's that guy and uh, he goes on streaks like we've seen where, where he's on and, and uh, he's got balance with a running game. And he's well-protected. If he's not giving the football away, I think that's about as good as you can hope for with him. Uh, so one interception through four games where it hasn't been a cakewalk four games. You've played a couple you know, really good teams in this stretch. Uh, I think that's a good thing. You, know, you, you add what Sean Clifford has always been if he if he maintains that efficiency and Penn State continues to uh, run the ball the way that they have with Catron Allen and Nick Singleton, you might have a quarterback here who's good enough. Uh, I don't know if you're looking at you know I don't think you're looking at a college football playoff team or a national title contender, but you've got a team that if you catch lightning in a bottle, I think you can. St- there's still a path to beating the the top teams in the Big Ten. You know, Sean Clifford isn't the guy to put the whole offense on his
1: shoulders, but I think maybe this year more than other years, he doesn't have to do that. And that, of course, is because there's something of a running game. But before we move on from the quarterback position, we do have to comment on Drew Aller. I believe there is no doubt there's a much better option if you have to go to a backup quarterback. And I know there's a lot of folks, and Dustin, we saw that when we did our show in front of a live audience. There's a lot of people who Tough would love this team to go right to Drew Aller right now. I actually look at it as I think this is James Franklin handling this very well. Aller is getting reps. I don't think I'm ready to trust a, an undefeated team to a true freshman.
2: Well, if you think about, and, and I would say when it comes to the Drew Aller thing, you can't get too greedy too soon. And, you know, part of what I mean by that is I thought it was a big, big deal for James Franklin to make him the number two quarterback in the first place. That was a commitment to probably burning his red shirt. Um, you know, you don't really expect him to see the field in in week one at Purdue under those circumstances, But what you had was a pretty established, you know, I I think you had a a heady quarterback in Christian Bayor that Penn State has always really liked. And for Drew Aller to to leapfrog him on the depth chart just showed um, this level of commitment from James Franklin and really Drew Aller's readiness and his talent. Um, But, you know, I, I think you couldn't have asked for a lot more through four weeks. You know, he's played in four games. He's seen different teams, seen different environments. He's responded to the challenge. Um, I said earlier in the show that Penn state, one area where they lack is being able to consistently push the ball down the field and, and open up defenses, that would be a drew aller strength that Sean Clifford doesn't really seem to possess. And one of the things that made me fall in love with Sean Clifford was the beauty of that deep ball. He threw to, to Daniel George four years ago, you know, Five years ago, I, I guess, at this point. And I'm like, oh, man, that is a pretty deep ball. We haven't really seen much of that since. Drew Aller can kind of change that dynamic if he's asked to. But I have no issue at all with w- the way they're handling Drew Aller. He's seeing meaningful time. He might see meaningful time against the Big Ten team this weekend, depending on how things go.
1: And, and I think a lot of fans are hoping that's the case. Another area that gets a lot of conversation, for good reason, Dustin, is the offensive line. And again, I'm going to repeat myself. What I was saying before the season is I thought this is a unit that would be better at all five positions, okay? I believe there is no doubt at least two positions they are better. Probably better at three, and you could probably get away with saying that they've been better at four out of the five positions, right? I think they've—I
2: think yes,
1: probably. I mean, Olufoshanu—
2: Um, This version of him versus the last year's version of Rasheed Walker, uh, you know, I think he's been better. And especially when you look at the fact that he's got a lot of room to grow into that. Um, Landon Tangle, I think, you know, similar situation with him. Like he is still learning on the job and he's been a pretty good player for him so far. And he's going to get much, much better going forward. Um, Sal Wormley has been really good at right guard, you know, and I think if you stack him next to Mike Miranda, that's a no contest. Juice Scruggs is, is who he is at at center and you hope that they can keep managing the right tackle situation. So that isn't something that's exploited. You know, you think about teams like Michigan, for example, they are going to test that right tackle position, you know, any, any defensive coordinator, uh, worth his salt is going to look at that and see, um, an opportunity there. So Penn State's going to have to keep managing and finessing that and and hope that Caden Wallace gets better and hope that Bryce Effner can do the job or they're going to have to help out a lot. So, yeah, I think all in all, I mean, you know, the way that they opened holes in the running game against Auburn was striking to me because that's a pretty good Auburn front, uh, a pretty good Auburn defense, and Penn State was able to, to establish that. And I think that's a confidence builder going forward. Um, but, yeah, this, this group has been – You know, probably a little better than I expected so far. And there's still a lot of room to grow into that, which I think is encouraging.
1: And Dustin, I want to look at instead of as a position group, I want to look more at just a group of players that the new guys, the true freshmen who've come in and have made a mark on this team and especially at areas of need, obviously, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen have changed the whole running back room Drew Aller even if he's not starting boy you could rest a whole lot easier if something happens to Sean Clifford then you've got Abdul Carter at linebacker Deny Dennis Sutton we talked about it earlier he's going to make his mark on this team and how about we haven't even mentioned Zane Durant and omari evans now i list those seven guys because all seven of them have played four games already as true freshmen which pretty much means they're gonna burn their red shirts they've made a huge difference on this team
2: oh yeah yeah without a doubt and then i think you know guys who uh could very well still redshirt. um two come to mind for sure uh cam miller the cornerback uh, K.J. Winston, the safety, you throw in Caden Saunders, who I, I don't think dressed last weekend, uh, his, his ability going forward. I mean, the reality of the situation, Jim, is that in 2020 and 2021, Penn State didn't recruit very well. In 2022, I mean, that is a recruiting class that feels a bit like um, 2018 that had a chance to change things completely. You know, 2018 with what that, you know, that group with Micah Parsons, Jahan Dotson, I think it, is in that group. Um, you know, this group can be a real game changer because there's still depth to it. We haven't seen yet. Uh, there, there are these guys at the top who are, who look like impact players and every recruiting class is going to have guys where you hit guys, where you miss guys who maybe take a little bit longer to develop, who are solid players, you know, guys who overachieve guys who underachieve all that. But, um, you know, Penn state has a group here with some, with a, and, out of the ordinary number of impact players in it. And, you know, going forward, I mean, for those impact players to be making an impact in year one, you can continue to build around that. Then you add in the fact that they're recruiting well again, again, in 2023, you know, when you top to bottom, the depth on this team is young depth still. So I don't know if I really expected four and zero here. I don't know if I, you know, really thought that all these young guys would be playing such a key role but that's not changing any time forward. And I think anytime you have a, a, a young nucleus the way that they do, you know, it is really encouraging going forward that they can t- continue to build around that. Because I think, again, I mean, the, the, the talent on the roster started to fade a little bit through the pandemic and then last year as well. Uh, this 22 class with all those talented freshmen can really, you know, and
1: they're, they're in the process of doing that, lead a resurgence. And another, uh, and I'll put them together as a group, Dustin, the transfer portal slash guys back from injury slash guys back from who knows what reason, just gone for a season. And I'm talking about Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, PJ Mustafer, Akeem Beeman, Mitchell Tinsley. Did, did I just, I think that was six I just named. You take that along with the seven the true freshmen, six other guys coming back either from injury or tra- coming in transfer portal. That's a big turnover in personnel and surely increases the depth.
2: Yeah, and I mean, a lot of those first names you mentioned uh, all, all along the defensive line. And I think Hunter Norzad, I don't know if you mentioned him or not, but that's another big one add, adding depth to the offensive line. And really, it, it's collectively, it's one of the great variables in this team. You know, you would love to look at that defensive line and say, hey, there's a lot of talent there. But it's like, okay, what shape is Adisa Isaac and, or P.J. Mustapher? Uh, what what happened to Hakeem Beeman? Is he back? Is his head there? Is he, does he have the trust of the coaching staff? Um, you know, there were some big variables here. Mitchell Tinsley's ability to bring that experience to the passing game. I mean, these guys came in and through the the, the first third of the season, you know, Sal Wormley is another one. Uh These guys who who are coming off injury or who are young, where you you can't take any of that to the bank. I mean, the fact that, you know, Penn State has connected so well on almost all of them is a huge story. It's one of the top stories of this team.
1: Exactly. And I'm glad you brought up Sal warmly. That's one that uh, slipped my mind. I think we kind of forget about him because he was injured before the season started and we didn't see him at all last year. Uh, But definitely, definitely a, a, a difference maker. All right, Dustin, we're not done talking about the progress report of this team. And in quarter number four, we're also going to look forward. Stay tuned for that. for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located
0: right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K-Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in Central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers.
1: Welcome back to quarter number four of the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, in uh, quarter number three, we were giving pretty much a progress report on the whole team. I promise we'll start looking forward. But before we do that, a couple more items I, w- I want to ask you about. Probably one of the biggest variables on this team compared to last year, or actually compared to the last several years, is new defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz, he has really changed the look of this defense. And it was a pretty good defense to start with under Brent Pry.
2: Yeah, and and you hate to disparage Brent Pry, but I I feel like what uh, Manny Diaz has brought to the table is what a lot of Penn State fans were clamoring for before, is that you've got speed, you've got talent, you've got length, you've got pass rushers let's not be as conservative uh, in some of these situations. Let's try to let those guys and put them in position to make plays using the, the athletic gifts that they have. And I think that's one been one thing for sure about Manny Diaz is he's not afraid to get creative. He's not afraid to get aggressive. He's not afraid to show a different look that's not on film. Uh, and, and ultimately, I mean, when you look at all the different types of ways that he's bringing pressure Everybody has gotten involved, cornerbacks, linebackers, safeties. Obviously, your pass rushers are are coming along. They are trying to make an impact on the quarterback, and they're trying to establish that tone early in the games. And it is so helpful for him to have guys uh, that can stick in coverage as well as Penn State's cornerbacks have. You have that, and you've got an aggressive mentality. You've got talent and speed. Uh, It's a really good combination for his style to work. And uh, I think he's got the right personnel and he's using it well. You know, I think when push comes to shove, I mean, the the pass rush, whether that's by blitz or, or um, you know, the defensive ends coming off the edge, they, they've made an impact, I feel like, on all the games that Penn State has played so far. And you would, it would expect that going forward. Uh, I think he can, he can scheme pressure and I think you're seeing with chop Robinson, a Isaac and denied Dennis Sutton coming along. These guys can create some pressure on their own too. So it's, it's, it's been exciting to say the very least and uh, going into big 10 play, they, they have the ability um, to, to make an impact. And I think, I think uh, force turnover, speed up the clock of quarterbacks, make them get the ball out quick. So they're not taking shots down the field. I mean, all this stuff I would expect is going to continue to be a brand of, of Manny Diaz's defenses, and it's been it's been better than I thought it would uh, it would be so far. I have a lot of respect for what Brent Pry was able to do, but I just like I mean it's, it's more fun defense to watch when guys are flying from all different
1: angles uh, trying to make a play. I also have to suspect that it's more fun for the players to play it, just like it's more fun for us to watch it. If you're a player and no you're seeing Johnny Dixon become a blitz guy, you know, and that's got to be fun for him. You hear Jair Brown saying he gets a chance to play in the box and he really likes to do that. It's got to be exciting. And then when you have both the excitement of it and the fact that you're getting your best players on the field, when you see a 3-1-7 defense where you have seven defensive backs in there now I think what you also got to remember of those seven defensive backs some of them are playing like linebackers so it's not exactly you know you have seven little cornerbacks uh, sitting way back on the defense but it's also making best use of your personnel
2: and I think uh, this is the the spot of, of the show where we're really looking forward yet but I feel like When the defense is creating turnovers and they're creating pressure, and as you said, everybody's getting a turn. You know, I feel like if if I'm a linebacker or safety or cornerback in high school right now, I'm looking at this and saying, not only are these guys good, not only do I like Manny Diaz, but he is giving everybody a shot to make plays. And I think that's a really encouraging thing too. When everybody's involved, it's like in basketball when everybody touches the ball. Everybody feels like they're part of it. Uh, and it's not like that hadn't happened before, but truly, you know, he is utilizing everybody um, and, and letting them all have opportunities to rush past. I feel like I've seen more cornerback and safety blitzes th- through four games than I did over the course of any one season before, and I think that that has a a, a potential to to build a reputation and like. You know, continue getting elite guys who, who want to play in that style of defense where they know they're going to get their shots to make plays.
1: All right, Dustin, let's look forward then. You alluded to it. Before the season, my take on the season was I saw seven wins, I saw two losses, and I saw three games that were the toss-up games that would decide whether they were going to be 7 and five, eight four. 9-3, or 10-2. and two. They've already won two out of three of those variable games. Now, my assessment will change a little bit. I think Minnesota is better than I thought. Perhaps Maryland is better than we thought. And Michigan State is not as good as we thought, although I wondered if they would be a one-year wonder. How does the play so far change how you look at the team? And And start with, where were you when the season started?
2: Well, I think, um, you know, they're closer to a a best case scenario than I, than I would have, you know, reasonably projected. Uh, Right. And I think that the best version of this Penn State team is capable of beating Michigan. You know, I think that's going to be a close game either way. Um, You know, Ohio State still looks like a juggernaut. Uh, I'm not sure about, you know, beating them or not, but I think they've, they've shown under James Franklin that when the best version of Penn State shows up, and they often show up against Ohio State, they can battle these guys as well as anybody in the Big Ten. So I think Penn State is further along than I thought they would be. Um, Michigan's funny, man. I, I, I know this is a bit of an aside, but it seems like every year that I should have high expectations for them, I don't. And every year I do have high expectations for them, they, they, they fizzle a bit. This year I don't think I don't think as much of them as the national polls do. I you know, to call them the fourth best team in the country. I'm just really not so sure about that, especially when they go through their schedule and play, you know, three cupcakes essentially, Hawaii, Yukon, Colorado State, and they open their Big 10 season at home against Maryland. They've played four home games against four teams that just aren't very good. Like uh, I don't know what to make of them so far, but I do know that by the time Penn State plays them, they'll have gone on the road to Iowa, which is this weekend. They'll have gone on the road to Indiana, two teams that they they very much should beat. But that will be physical, and that will test them in ways that the other teams couldn't. But I feel like Penn State is as good as Michigan, and I think that they can score uh, more effectively than, they thought, than I thought, and they're playing a brand of defense that if you don't uh, take care of the football, Penn State will punish you for that. And Penn State will find ways to make you uh, get reckless with the ball. So I think their their formula is more, more lends itself to, to beating good teams than than I, I probably gave them credit for. Uh Minnesota's an interesting one too. I don't know if it's it's Michigan State being so bad against the pass, but uh, Tanner Morgan looked like a freaking Heisman Trophy contender uh, against them. I mean, he was carving them up. I don't think Michigan State's been very good in that department, so we'll see. But that, that'll be a whiteout game, too, and one that you know Minnesota got my attention more this past weekend, for sure.
1: Well, I think they got everybody's attention, and I think a lot of the naysayers for Penn State selecting that game as a whiteout might change their tune a bit. If both teams are going into that game undefeated, that whiteout game could turn into a, a, a monster game and could also determine, let's face it, Ohio State, I think, is at a level above everybody else. Michigan is getting the benefit of the doubt from last year's Big Ten championship. That That's just the way the world works. Then it's like it's between Minnesota and Penn State is either one of those two teams capable of making that next step? And that game between the two of them could could determine that. Now, I guess Michigan comes before Minnesota, so we may find out real quick with that one whether you know Penn State deserves that kind of attention. One, one last thought on the national picture. You mentioned Ohio State being at that level, but if you look at Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia, there's then a big drop off, isn't there? Before you could get to number four,
2: yeah, and I think that's how things often take shape. You know, the fact that Clemson can't really be counted on to be that that perennial top four team anymore. Uh, you're going to have teams kind of come and go, but th- those are the, the three brands in college football, um, and and you know they're they're coached well, they get talent at absurd levels. Um, so when they're coached as well as they are and they have such ridiculous talent, I mean, where where else is there to go? I mean, everybody's trying to catch them in the recruiting department and everybody's trying to develop as well as those, those guys. They are they continue to be. And, I, you know, even as the playoff expands, you know, you're going to have those three juggernauts and you're going to have everybody else trying to catch them every single year and just hoping, you know, kind of like Penn State hopes that. Uh, and has been hoping since 2016. Let's catch lightning in a bottle. If we just take care, of, if we can find a way to beat Ohio State, then all of our dreams can come true. Well, you know that's a lot easier said than done, as it turns out.
1: And I don't. I think Penn State's in a position where they don't have to beat Ohio State to have a successful season. If it's 11 and one or 10 and two, I'll take it. I'll, I'll say that's a good season. But now, after watching this team for four games, Dustin. What areas do they need to improve on? What will it take for them to max out that uh, expectation level for them, whether it is 10 and 2 or 11 and 1, or Dreamland 12 and0.
2: Well, I mean, to me, I mean, I keep coming back to the ability of the offense to to stretch defenses deep. You know, I think the the blueprint is out there that, um, you know, short passes, run game, if you're able to bring guys up closer to the line of scrimmage, if Penn State isn't able to beat teams deep as they weren't against Central Michigan, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, teams are going to play them according to what they've seen on film. I still, you know, I, I don't know, if, and certainly Michigan's going to do this, but how how can they hold up to a really committed and physical rushing attack? Um, That that's a big question for, for Michigan. Uh, And then really, you know, Ohio state, you know, you're going to put Penn state's strength on, they've just gotten, I don't know what, 45, five stars. I might be overstating that at wide receiver (laughs) over the years. I mean, you're going to put some really talented guys on Penn state's secondary. Can they cover or can they not? I mean, I'm looking at those specific matchups because they can define the season, but really like, You know, I'm not I'm I'm still going to project a win over Minnesota and I'm going to project a win uh, where I didn't before the season over Michigan State. If you lose those games to Michigan and Ohio State and just beat the teams you're supposed to beat, you're still looking at 10 and two. And I still think that Michigan is, is is a real coin flip situation. So, I mean, 10 and two or 11 and one. I think both of those things are on the table. There are some areas to develop, though, for sure
1: it really is and if you continue this ability to force turnovers dustin that gives you a puncher's chance against anybody in in the country unfortunately dustin we're out of time that's it for the show thank you dustin thank you all for listening and make sure you join us next time on the keystone kickoff show
3: new trail brewing company proudly crafts their beers right here in central pennsylvania Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone.
1: StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Poorman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.